Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, hello, Crossing Church. How are you doing this morning? You doing all right? Yeah, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be with the people of the Lord. I'm thankful for each and every one of you. If you're joining from one of our locations all across this region, we're so thankful for each and every one of you. If you are home, you're watching online and you're protecting yourself, we understand that. We're thankful for each one of you as well. Uh, If you're in one of our locations and you're holding your kids with you, so thankful for you. We know that's a little bit difficult, but you know what? I just appreciate that uh, you're here and you're uh, willing and ready to worship and praise God in the assembly of the believers. It is good. It is good to be in the house of the Lord with the people of the Lord. It's so good. You know, uh, we're in a series called The Cure, and it's uh, it's going through the New Testament a book at a time. Some of these have been really challenging to put together in 30 minutes. I mean, to actually try to preach through a book in 30 minutes, but nothing near as challenging as what we've been living through for like the last 12 months. I mean, we don't, we don't even think about the, uh, it's not like it's one thing. I mean, it's been a lot of things, right? Think of the challenge and the difficulty in the last uh, 12 months. How about the Me Too movement, Jeffrey Epstein, COVID-19, the Trump impeachment, the shutdown of America, flattening the curve, the George Floyd murder, Black Lives Matter protests, riots in the streets, burning and looting, defunding the police, cancel culture, the upcoming presidential election, and Tiger King. All of that, maybe not Tiger King. But any one of those other issues is a year's worth of issues all by itself, right? But what we've done is all these things have been piled on top of one another and compressed into one another, and we're just trying to survive it. We're just trying to manage and get on the other side of it and have some soul left, right? It's tough. Think about it. People are more polarized than ever. Sides are being chosen. Everybody has an opinion. You're either with us or you're against us, right? You better be careful what you say. Think about me standing up here preaching a message. You better be careful what you say or you should have been more careful about what you said or put on social media in the past. You could just ask Jimmy Kimmel. You could just ask Tina Fey, right? But they get canceled. If you take a position, just... Take it to the bank that half of the people are going to be on the other side of that position, right? Don't you want to be free from all of this? Really, don't you want to be free from it all? Don't you want to think about not wearing a mask for goodness sake? That's just, I mean, really, I mean, the, the, the amount of shift that we're supposed to be experiencing. Of course, now all the schools are trying to figure out what they're going to do in the fall. You know, are they going to go to school? Are they going to go to school half a day? Are they going to go to school uh, part of the week on and part of the week off? What are they going to do? And in uh, in, uh, the Quincy Public Schools, where I'm preaching from right now, they've made their decision that they're going to go, you know, a full day for... uh, younger kids up to fifth grade and then some modifications, but everybody has to wear a mask. uh, From three-year-olds up, everybody has to wear a mask. Now, I used to be a youth minister. 
So I can't help but go, wow, really? That's gonna, cause this is what, I wanna show you a TikTok video cause this is what it's gonna look like in school, okay? Watch this. Okay, this is what you're supposed to do, you know? But that's what's gonna happen. They're gonna be chewing on their mask. They're gonna use it as a blindfold, as a slingshot, as a rally rag. They're gonna blow their nose in it. They're gonna lick the inside of it. And they're gonna use it as a stealth way to pick their nose. That's what's gonna happen. How many of you know that's what's gonna happen? I mean, we need to be praying for our teachers and our administrators on how in the world they're gonna to try to manage students through that. You know, for what, thousands of years, human beings, when they meet each other, they shake hands, and now you're not supposed to shake hands, and that gets so weird and so awkward. Doug and Julie Crozier visited us. They came over, uh, they're, they're kind of doing a tour around the United States. They came to see uh, us on Monday. I had lunch with them, and as soon as they got out of their car, I went to meet them in the, in the parking lot, and they announced, we are elbow bumpers. I'm like, what do, how about just, hi, how are you? But like, before you even get close, they want you to know that this is the, like, their preferred way of greeting is do, do, do the elbow bump. Well, you know, and so this is what we're dealing with. You know, I'm an air high fiver, you know? I'm a, 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 you know, Indian greeting. I mean, what, is this the way that we have to identify ourselves? I get it, you know, you, you don't want to give someone an infection and you don't want to get the infection. But wouldn't you just love to go to a restaurant and sit down with your family without thinking about it? Wouldn't you love to just go to a crowded retail store? Wouldn't you love to just be able to go visit uh, elderly family members or friends and not worry about it? Wouldn't you love to just be able to go and provide some comfort in the hospital or go to church and feel the fellowship of the people around you and be able to drop your kids off so that they can learn about Jesus too? Wouldn't you just love that? Yeah, I get it. I get it. I understand. I, I, I mean, I've heard all the stuff that these restrictions are supposed to help everybody. And I, I'm, yeah, all right. And we got to be respectful and care about each other enough to follow all these rules. But understand a deeper truth that's inside of you and inside of me. You know what? We're not built for this. We are built for freedom, aren't we? We're built for freedom. Now we've been experiencing a lot in the protest world. And the protests are concentrating on that. They're concentrating on, the peaceful protests are concentrating on freedom. Freedom, people to be free from fearing the police, to be free from racial discrimination, to be free to be able to get a job without discrimination, to be free to get the promotion or the loan without being redlined or acceptance into the community or just a little understanding, right? Let me tell you what I wanna be free for. I wanna be free to be at peace with one another. That's what I want. Aren't we struggling in the opposite direction? Are we becoming more suspicious of one another rather than accepting of one another? Here's the truth about freedom. Freedom is hard. Freedom is hard to have, and it's hard to keep. You know, we're looking forward into this next week, and we're going to celebrate Independence Day, July 4th, right? The first colonists that came to America, they came to America for freedom. 
They came to America. They braved the Atlantic Ocean and they tried to had, a, had to cut a life out of the wilderness because of freedom, particularly a certain kind of freedom, religious freedom. The Revolutionary War was fought over what? It was fought over freedom, freedom from tyranny, freedom from political oppression, right? The Civil War was fought over freedom, freedom that all of us are created equal, that no human being can be the property of another human being. I mean, just the thought of it, the sound of that sentence. And yet where I'm standing right now in Quincy, Illinois is two hours north of St. Louis, Missouri. And if you ever go to a baseball game, if we ever get to do that again at Bush Stadium, not, not a stone's throw from Bush Stadium is the, uh, the courthouse in St. Louis, the federal courthouse where a decision was made called the Dred Scott decision. Dred Scott was an enslaved person and it was there in that courthouse that it was determined he was not an individual, he was property. The word they used was chattel. That went to the Supreme Court and it was agreed to by the Supreme Court and much of that is what led to the Civil War in the first place. And we're still fighting for it. We're still fighting for freedom today. You know why? Because freedom runs deep in the human soul. There is something inside of us that longs for it, that rises up in us, that demands satisfaction. And you know why? It's because we are made in the image of God. And God has given us freedom particularly freedom to make choices. Now, the choices we make are oftentimes not the right choices, right? And this is where so much of the problem comes up. With the freedom to make choices, sometimes we use that freedom to make choices to actually take away choices from other people. And that's where our freedoms have to end, where someone else's freedom begins. Now, one way you can understand freedom is understanding the context of its opposite, right? And the opposite of freedom is enslavement. Now, I'm not using the term slavery, I'm using the term enslavement, and the reason I am is because I think it's, there, there's, I learned something reasonable. I was actually, last couple of years, I was visiting some, some historical locations. I, 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 was, uh, I was in Mount Vernon a couple of years ago, three, maybe, maybe three years ago, and I was at the Hermitage, we were visiting my daughter, in Nashville and uh, Andrew Jackson's home. And uh, some of the signage that kind of helps you to explore history and understand what's going on, they use the term enslaved people rather than slaves. And I thought that was valuable because they were not, the people that were enslaved in America, that's not who they were. That, that's what was imposed upon them. Instead of calling, identifying him that way to be able to say this was what was imposed upon. I think that's fair. I think that's good. But think about this. Where there's no enslavement, freedom doesn't need to be purchased. Where there's no enslavement, it doesn't need to be fought for because it's the natural environment, right? And so we have to understand that that's why there's been this strife. We can't understand the value of freedom until we know what it feels like to live in the absence of it. And by the way, for the last three, four months, all of us have been going to that school. We've all been going to the school of what it's like to not have freedom, right? 
to be told you got to do this and you got to do that and you can't go there and you can't experience this and you can't do that and it's like like where does the whole you know a bill of rights go and that's only that it's only then when you really start to understand its value in the absence of it early americans were denied freedom of speech they were denied freedom of assembly they were denied freedom of the press they were denied freedom of religion and that's why it's enshrined in the first amendment of the bill of rights over four million african americans were enslaved during the civil war by the census of 1860 they could see freedom the freedom of others but they couldn't possess it themselves 620,000 young men from both north and south died in that war 1.5 million casualties one in four never came home you know why because freedom isn't free but we need it we need freedom and it's this reality you're wondering when are we going to start preaching about the bible that is at the very core of the book of galatians that's where we are today in this series called the cure the reality of freedom lies at the very heart of the book of galatians it is a letter about freedom because freedom is at the very center of the gospel it was the purpose for which jesus came to earth to die on the cross for our sins wow that's a big statement for freedom really galatians chapter 5 verse 1 the apostle paul writes he says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Now, we might disagree with that, and we might say, well, I thought it was because of love that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And you'd be right if you were talking about his motivation. Some of you say, well, I thought Jesus died on the cross to save us, and you would be right if you were describing the action that was taken, but his true purpose in coming to earth to die on the cross for our sins was to provide us with freedom. Now let me explain what's going on in this New Testament letter we call Galatians. Galatia was a region that the Apostle Paul and his companion Barnabas journeyed through on their first missionary journey. And what they would do is they would go to these regions, to these towns, villages, cities, and they'd preach the gospel. People would receive Jesus into their hearts and lives. They would establish a church, and then they would move on, right? But it seems like in this particular church in Galatia, after Paul left, there were other believers, other quote-unquote Christians from Jerusalem that went to the Galatian church, and then they taught them that they actually had to become Jewish to be believers, that they had to be proselytized into the Jewish faith. They had to follow Jewish laws and Jewish customs. Now, the gospel wasn't about becoming Jewish. It was about following Jesus. Following the rules and the regulations and the customs of the Old Testament was actually part of what Jesus saved us from. All they did was remind us that we are incapable of keeping them, at least consistently, right? So they were a constant reminder of the consequences that are waiting for each and every one of us when we fail. And that became an enslavement, an enslavement that 
we needed to be set free from, and that is exactly what Jesus died for. So we need freedom. But freedom from what? How about freedom from fear? Freedom from fear. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and 27, the writer describes this fear when he says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only, listen, a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Well, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live with the reality of a fearful expectation of judgment and fire that will consume the enemies of God. That is enslavement. Fear is enslavement. But I want you to think about something positive. What would it be like if you could be free of fear? How would that feel? You might wanna ask yourself, what are you afraid of right now? I mean, look at, the, look at our world, look at our country, look at our state, look at our community. We're more afraid than we've ever been. We're afraid of everything, right? Right now, there's an incredible amount of fear, right? People are afraid of sickness. They're afraid of dying. They're afraid of being separated from people that they love. They're afraid of loss right now. Afraid of so many things. Maybe some things that we're not experiencing to the level that some other communities are experiencing them, but all sorts of fear. I mean, I watched the news today and I feel like I need to go forward at the end of the service and get down on my knees and repent before God that I even watched the news. Because so much of the news is sensationalized, isn't it? It's sensationalized. Almost all of it is designed to make you afraid. That's the way they get you to watch it. It's like you can't turn away, right? Afraid of what this virus can do to you. Afraid that you might be abducted and sex trafficked. Afraid that people with a, a, a different skin color than you, afraid of people in authority over you, afraid of losing your job, afraid of the wrong person being president. All of it is just clickbait. That's all it is, and you're the bass going for the lure. But listen to what Paul exclaims in Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. This is what he says, Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, and the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. So we sing that song. We sang it just a little while ago. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. We sing it with authority because of what Jesus paid for. And Jesus paid it all. We need freedom from fear. But that's not the only thing we need freedom from. We need freedom from bondage. Now, I'm going to give you a new take on this idea of bondage, so just stick with me, all right? And, I, and I'm going to do that because many of us misunderstand the whole concept of freedom. Some of us actually believe that freedom means to be able to do whatever you want. <laughs> That's not what it means. That's actually Satan's lie, that freedom is to be able to do whatever you want. It's that false belief that people can do whatever they want that actually enslaves us. You know, Jeffrey Epstein thought he could do whatever he wanted, right? 
He enslaved others, but eventually he was enslaved himself. It was true about the king of England when he tried to get taxes and all this other stuff from uh, the American colonies, but it proved to enslave him. It was true about owners of enslaved people in America for 246 years. True about racist police or any racist for that matter. True about anyone who wants to use their freedom to trample on the freedom of others. Now the Apostle Paul gives us a list in Galatians chapter 5 of what it means to not live in the spirit, what it means to live in the flesh, what it means to just be a human being and not live like God created you to live. And he gives all of these descriptions. I want us to go through this one together. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. I'm going to stop right there. So we're talking about more animalistic behavior, right? And we're talking about just trying to satisfy fleshly lust or uh, this idea of the occult and uh, a misrepresentation of what God is. But look at the next, because the next part of this list reads like the front page of a newspaper. Ready? Because you just lay, lay this over our culture today. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Wow. Was he reading our newspapers? Was he watching our news? Was he looking at our social media? Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, wait a minute, you say. Hold on. I should be able to be sexually immoral if I want, because that's freedom. I should be able to get drunk if I want, because that's freedom. I should be able to steal if I want, or lie, or hate, or destroy something, or hurt whoever or whatever I want, because that's freedom. No, it's not. No, it's not. That, my friend, is enslavement. Just ask the person who killed someone else while driving drunk. Just ask the person who got an abortion after the fling. Just ask the person who burned up the relationship or who lied on the form or who cheated on their taxes just waiting for the IRS to figure it out. That is enslavement. Those things don't represent freedom. They're just different kinds of enslavement. Satan lies to us and he gets us to sell out. You know what? He's been doing this ever since Genesis chapter 3 when he lied to Eve in the Garden of Eden and said, hey, you won't die. You'll become like God. And we're still taking the bait. Hey, if you're wondering if that's true, maybe you need to ask an expert witness like John Newton. John Newton was a man who captained a slave ship. You may not know this about John Newton, but he was forced to work on slave ships before he ever captained one and was enslaved himself in Sierra Leone. But let me tell you something about Jesus Christ. He can free people. He freed John Newton. He freed John Newton so he could write words like this, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. The abolition of slavery in England was his heart's desire, and he actually lived to see that happen before he died. I think we look for freedom in the wrong places. And we need to look for them in the right place. We need to look for our freedom that we so desperately desire in the right place. And the Bible tells us where that is. In, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Now you want freedom? You want real freedom? Maybe you just need to ask the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Galatians. Let me tell you how he viewed freedom. Even when he was chained up to a Roman guard, you know what he saw? A captive audience. When he was locked in a cell, he saw a tent revival. When he was thrown onto the trash heap after they had stoned him, they thought to death, he saw it as a sermon illustration. When he was dragged into court, he used it as a sermon opportunity. When he had a thorn in the flesh, he exclaimed, when I am weak, then I am strong. And when he contemplated death, he saw gain. That's the Apostle Paul. He wrote about the fruit of the Spirit. He wrote about it in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. This is what he said. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Mm. No law against that. That's what he says. Against such things, there is no law. You want to experience total freedom? You live inside the fruit of the Spirit. Because there's no law against that. Freedom is something that has to be fought for. It's hard to have and it's hard to keep. And you know what? Right now what we're trying to do is we're trying to fight for it all out here. Hear me? We're all trying to fight for it out here in culture. But we need to fight for it in here. Bible's teaching us we have to fight for it in here. And I'm telling you, it's the truth. I can't watch the news without starting to feel this angst. I can't read the paper without starting to feel this unsettledness and uncertainty. I can't, because you know what's happening to me? Maybe this is happening to you. I'm being robbed. Someone's breaking down the door of my house and they're coming in the door of my house and they're taking stuff out of my house. You know what they're taking out? They're taking love out and joy out and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. All of these things, they're trying to rob my house of all. They're trying to rob the house of my heart from all of these things. And I have to say, no. I have to say, no, you can't do that. This is what I possess because I possess the Spirit of God and there's freedom in the Spirit of God because the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ is always going to be greater than the circumstances. This is what the Apostle Paul taught us. That means you can have it in the underground church in China. You can have it under Hindu discrimination in India. You can have it under Muslim persecution. You can have it no matter how you're labeled, how you're marginalized, cast aside, abused, violated, or abandoned. Because if Christ has set you free, you are free indeed. 
We got, we're we're going to have we got, we're going to have to embrace that. We got to embrace that. We're living in a world now of cancel culture. Right? Princeton University just canceled Woodrow Wilson. And it took his name off the library, taking his name, taking all memory of President Woodrow Wilson away. I mean, it's happening all over the place, right? Presidents. You know, and I get it. I get that, you know, that there's, there, there are inappropriate statues. We forget the fact that the second commandment said, you're not to make into yourself any graven image. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know who culture canceled? The greatest cancellation of all culture. You know who they canceled? Jesus. They canceled him, didn't they? Uh-uh. You got to stop teaching that. You got to stop preaching. You got you to stop that. Jesus said, if I don't say it, the rocks are going to cry out. Oh, they, we're going to cancel you. Better that one man die and a whole country be preserved than the whole country die. And so what did he do? Put him on a cross. They canceled him. You can't cancel Jesus. You can't do it. They've been trying to cancel Jesus for 2,000 years. No, you can't do that. Tried to cancel the church. They were commanded no longer to speak in the name of Jesus. They just prayed for more boldness. You can't cancel that. Listen, I'm not saying that there are plenty of things in this world that you can be for and you can fight for. But if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, that takes precedent over every other thing. And make sure, make sure that before you stand for anything else, you stand for him. And don't let Satan break down the door of your house and rob you of the fruit of the spirit that is only found at the foot of the cross. We're moving to a time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.